the most action-packed content from the top mobile experts. This is the App Masters Podcast with Steve P. Young. We all have developer horror stories from language barriers to bad code to developing on time. That's why I recommend using b7dev.com. They're affordable, fast, and more importantly, trustworthy. Go to b7dev.com. Want to scale your growth faster? Games Boost 42 gives you early access to your app store revenues, allowing you to multiply your growth without losing equity. See how they can help you grow by visiting gamesboost42.com. That once again is gamesboost, the number 42.com. What is up, App Nation? It is Steve P. Young, founder of App Masters. Com, the place you go when you want action-packed content related to growing your app downloads. And more importantly, and the theme of this particular interview is going to be all about how to increase your revenue. And today, I've got a phenomenal guest, mutual friend of ours, Ryan Yada. Kept shouting him out during our podcast interview. And I'll, immediately after that interview, I was like, let me look up Jordan Blackman. Hit him up on LinkedIn, and hopefully he'll say yes in coming on and doing this podcast episode. So Jordan Blackman is the owner of Bright Black Associates. If you want to work with him, he's worked with multiple eight, nine, and even 10-figure products for companies like, you know them all, EA Sports, Zynga, Ubisoft, the Pokemon Company, Ellen, and many more. You can learn more if you want to work with Jordan by going to brightblack.co, brightblack.co. All that is already linked up into the show notes. But Jordan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. It's great to be here. I got my LaCroix. I'm ready to rock. <laughs> LaCroix, I love it, man. Dude, I started drinking Olipop. Have you heard of this? No, what's that? I gave up soda about a year ago. And I was like, all right, no more soda. So LaCroix, all the sparkling waters I drink, but Olipop is a like probiotic, but with soda flavor. So I love Diet Coke. That was the hardest thing to give up, but it has a soda flavor. And I got to tell you, man, it's good. It's all natural, I believe, but really good stuff. It's expensive too, but Olipop. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, I want to check it out. All right, Jordan, let's start with this. So a client comes to you and says, hey, let's work together. And you said you primarily work with games. So like 90% of the things that you work, clients you work with are games. But what is your process for evaluating a product? Yeah, so, you know, I've been doing like game audits for mobile apps for like 12 years. So I, I realized when you asked me this question that I've, I've had a way that I've built up of doing it that I haven't really... Um, haven't really said, oh, this is how I do it. But w the main thing that I do is I have a, I use a model of the app that's like a three layered onion. So I think of it as these three different layers. In the core, you have the the core loop, which is like the part of the gameplay that's repeated over and over again. Think about Zelda, when Zelda, or think about Zelda when Link goes into a, a new area and fights the monsters and completes it, that's the core loop, right? So like Link is, a, is sort of the metaphor of the core loop. Then you have the second layer, which is the progression loop. And the progression loop are all the different things that the player can do to upgrade and to improve and to grow. They're finding new areas, they're getting new weapons, whatever it is that they're doing, all these different ways of progress. Because if you're not moving forward, you're dying, right? If you're in a relationship and that relationship isn't growing, then it's probably getting smaller. So you wanna build that relationship. That's the progression loop. And if you think about, again, Zelda, in Zelda, you're looking for the Triforce pieces or conquering these temples. 
that would be a metaphor for the progression. And then the, the last layer is the aspiration loop. This is the overarching goal. Who can you, who can the player become by playing? What, what is their main goal? You know, um, I think of friends in the TV show friends, you know, Ross and Rachel getting together was sort of like the aspiration of the show. Once yeah. that happens, the show's kind of over. Um, so, you know, in, in a game, these aspirations could be the story. It could be the player becoming like a master of the esport or whatever, but it's some bigger vision that they have. And in, in Zelda, that's Princess Zelda herself. You want to save her. She's sort of representative of this aspiration loop. So I look into each of these loops and probably spend the most time on the core loop. There are about 12 specific qualities that I'm looking for. Um, and n n most games aren't going to have all of them. You just want to see like where are the strengths and the weaknesses. So for example, um, one of the things I look for is, is this, is the, the experience relatable to a new player? Like if you have a football game, a player can come in and they know exactly what they're doing because they understand football already. Right. Or even something like Tinder where you're swiping left and right, that metaphor, they understand already. On the other hand, if you've built a game, even a really fun, addictive game, but to engage with it, the player has to learn a bunch of new, totally new kind of abstract concepts. Mm. You're going to have a hard time getting traction, especially on mobile. So that would be one of the core loop qualities that I look for. And I can talk about a few more as well, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you kind of decide Please. where you want to take this. I'm like just taking notes, man. Professor Jordan, you're in session, my friend. <laughs> I'm just here taking notes. <laughs> okay, cool. So then like another thing I'll look at is does the, does the core loop have optional depth? And this, this isn't something I, I invented. These are things, pieces I pulled from all sorts of different places, but the idea of optional depth is you want a game that's super simple to play and understand right for mobile, but you also want there to be some extra piece that the player can engage with if they want a little more depth, but they don't have to engage with. They can completely ignore it um, if, if they would like to. So for example, in Ms. Pac-Man, um, you know, your goal is to get all these, uh, get those corner dots, right? And to fit, get all the dots, um, but there's the fruit. And if you want, you can go after the fruit. And if you do, you'll get more points and you know, you'll do better. You'll go up the high scores, but it's optional. So that, that optional goal is very important in mobile so that it's both super easy for those players who just want to like jump in and, you know, not even pay attention, but has just that extra little bit of depth for players who, you know, want to get more engaged or when a player who's been playing for longer can see like, oh, there's, oh, there's more to this. Um, so that's another, that's another one of these 12 things. Uh, also dynamic. So, you know, you want this thing to be simple, but you want the pieces to be, um, have enough variability that you can craft a lot of dynamic experiences. So like in super Mario brothers, you're basically just jumping on platforms. Yeah. There's not that much to it mechanically, but dynamically what they can do with those mechanics is unlimited. So that's another kind of quality that you, that you want in a, in your mobile game. Cause you want it to be super easy to pick up and play, but also be able to offer enough difference down the road that the player is going to stay engaged. So those are some of the core loop things that, that I look for. Now, when I look at the progression loop, I'm basically looking for, um, now a lot of people think that this is the same as a monetization loop, but monetization can go in all sorts of different places. It can be in the core. It's a lot of times it is different progression layers, but, um, but it can be in, in many different pla places. But the progression loop 
is not just one loop. Like the core loop, there's only one core loop, but the progression loop, you can progress in your level, you can progress your experience, you could progress your weapon, you could, you, there's so many different things you could do. And you want that, you want it to be like a bag of candy. And like all the candies are different, right? When you come back from Halloween, you wanna have like some of the taffies and some chocolates and some Hershey's kisses and, and that's fun. Like you don't wanna have the same thing. So you wanna make sure that the progression has like this texture and these different flavors um, and and the right kind of timing. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But those are some of the things that I look for on the, um, on the progression side. And then, you know, aspiration. Is there, is there a vision for way that, where the player is going? What is the story? And does the player understand that progression, that story right away, right? Like good games engage you in the aspiration right away so that you have that bigger picture to drive you through the tutorial, to drive you through learning the thing. Um, and so those, that's kind of like the, the layers of the onion model. So I start with that. That gives me a really good sense of the kind of product as a whole, as a product. Um, I also do a compulsion analysis. So basically I look at the game at different, different time frames, second to second, minute to minute, session to session, week to week, month to month. What are the activities and rewards that you're doing on those time frames, right? Because it's it's similar to this core versus progression versus aspiration, but it's a slightly different way where I kind of map it out on a on a map of time, and the time is repeating times. It's not like overtime, right? Because your second to second keeps happening every month. You're, there's a month to month, so the month to month might be like some sort of leaderboard or event or whatever. But you want to map all these things out over time loops and then look for holes. Where is something missing? Maybe there's not enough to bring the person back session to session. Maybe there's all sorts of great session return mechanics, but there's not a week to week piece, you know? So you want to, so I do, so I look at it like that. You, you, does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Um, I also look to see like, is this product, does this have the potential to be a category king? Because in mobile, as you know, you know, it, there's not room for like thousands of all these different kinds of apps. There are big winners. And, you know, in a, in a lot of cases, there are only big winners. There's a two, three, or one successful app. And then everyone else is just like really scrambling and struggling. So I like to get a sense of, does this product have the potential to be a category, you know, king or queen or whatever. Mm. Um, and, you know, and then you got to understand the genre a little bit because not every genre is like that. Some game types, like there's tons of match three games people play. You don't need to be a category king to do match three or to do a slot machine. Because when someone plays a slot machine game, they probably play like five of them. But if you're playing, you know, a battle royale game, you're probably only playing one. So it's a lot harder to be like number five in the battle royale category. You know what I'm saying? Yes, I do. So I kind of, I, I like to look at that to sort of get a sense, like maybe they need to make a bigger change. You know, if they don't have a chance in the, in the kind of category they're in, I'm going to tell them that. Um, and then I do a lot of the sort of same stuff that I think a lot of people do. I look at the Fatui, I look at the onboarding funnel, I look at the KPI, um, what else? The advertising inventory, what are the offers? What's the store look like? Is the store integrated into these loops, mm -hmm. the levels, you know, all that, all that stuff as well. Hey Jordan, just to summarize a little bit, the loops, I thought there were four, so I might, just, uh, I might, might have missed it, but the core loops that I remember, core, uh, <clears throat> I'm sorry, the loops that I do remember, core progression and aspiration. Was there another loop that I might have missed? 
Nope, that's okay, it. Those are the things. What I loved about what you said was in the quarter loop, I think you called it the in-depth loop, like going one depth for, it was something where you're like, hey, you don't have to do this, but you oh. can. The well, optional you, depth. Optional the optional depth. depth. I love that. Cause I didn't, I don't know if you made up that term, but I, I was like, when I'm looking at games, I'm like, there's something to this game and I can't describe it, but there's something to this game that makes it more appealing. And I, the example I love to use is color switch versus flight. And I'm using more like very like simple, like casual game type of hyper casual type of games. But I'm like flight. I saw it first and it was featured by Apple. And I was like, okay, I've seen this. And then color switch, like, hey, this is just like flight. But then it added this depth to it where, you know, the color switch mechanism, because they're pretty much the same core loop mechanism, I believe. So you correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not an expert in any of this stuff. But I was like, you know, this is great. Two games, one that was brought, you know, like launched earlier, didn't take off as much as this other one that just completely took off. And so, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And, you know, that goes back to the category king thing, because a category may be vulnerable to a new king, right? Mm. And and you might say, oh, this the category king right now isn't doing a bunch of these things. Therefore, we do have a shot of taking over that category. I you know? Yeah, I like it. The And then when you work with, like Ryan kept bringing you up and said he would just make all these changes. He was talking about level balance and all these things. Do you normally look at the core loop first and then move on to everything else? Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, like, I think what Ryan's talking about is we, we, um, with, and, and this was, um, in conjunction with, with the help of, of, a, a, a awesome designer, Dave Roll, um, we looked at some of the, the level types. So, you know, um, you want levels that are kind of like easy levels after a big challenge, you know, after you do something hard, you want to like relax, you know, and then there might be the levels that are, um, you know, show you that there's something maybe coming up. That's a little harder. Then there might be like mini bosses. It's like a challenge, but it's not like that big a challenge. And then there might be the big challenge. So you, so you want to kind of categorize these experiences and then have a design. Like, what do you want that flow to be like? And that's, that's the kind of thing that, um, can really help the level design. You know, one of the things I like about games too, is when they add this sort of randomness to it that I can't control. Like I, I love poker, right? And I don't play it like frequently anymore, but I love that there's skill, but there's just random factor that I don't control. And th those to me are the most fulfilling games. And if you think about mm. like Monopoly, it's like, okay, the strategy is there, but you, you, sometimes it just depends on the roll of the dice, right? Like sometimes I'll make it past all these hotels that I might have to pay a fortune for, but the, because of the roll of dice, I passed it. And I love that randomness to it too. You, you know, Steve, that tells me a little bit about you because that randomness factor is what lets players of different skill levels enjoy the same game. Mm. And, um, you know, poker is an interesting outlier because it's super skill based. But in general, like games, with a lot of randomness, like Super Mario Kart, they're family oriented. Right. Whereas, you know, if you want like a super skill based thing like Counter-Strike, it's going to have some some amount less. So it sort of shows the kinds of games you probably like to play. Monopoly is another family game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I like I like some randomness. I do like prefer I prefer poker where it's mostly skill. <laughs> but the, the thing about poker, unlike chess, maybe right, like where it's like, all right, how skilled are you? Maybe there isn't that many randomness to it. It's like you can't control the cards. Right. And so there's a little bit more randomness to poker than it is chess, where it's completely skilled. Like I can't beat you if you're the best. I can't beat you. Right. Whereas poker, anybody can win at any given night, too.
hundred percent. Yeah, I like it, man. Hey, Except me, apparently, because. Uh... <laughs> okay, we got Jordan. When we meet up again, we gotta play poker then. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> what I also want to talk to you about too is when you're valuing some of these games. Well, first off, like it sounds like all the things that you're trying to do in so many different levels, and so you're doing so in depth. Are you like when you're working with someone like Ryan? Are you playing that game day in and day out to get a real feel of that? Because it seems like a hard and fun job to do. Um, so I kind of went through this audit process. So this audit process can take like a month. And when I'm doing that, I am playing that game a ton. And I'm playing the competitors a ton. And I am doing a lot of screenshots. And I'm, I'm just going really, really in depth. Um, and then once that's done, um, I don't need to do nearly as much after mm -hmm. that. Um, I have a good sense of the product. I have a good sense of how it's, you know, making money or not. And I've played far enough that I feel like I have a pretty, pretty good sense of all the key mechanics. And then it's like when we're designing something new, you know, checking that out or if there's a change, but I don't need to like day to day be playing the game a ton. Yeah, I've been doing these app audits on YouTube where I'll spend like five, 10, 15 minutes on an app that people submit and they're usually non-games, but I'll give them advice on how to increase their monetization, their retention, their growth and all that stuff. But one of the, there are things that I look for right off the bat. Are there some common mistakes that you look for? And I'm like, hey, these are some common mistakes I know right off the bat when it's non-games that I'm just always looking for. What are some of those things that you're looking for? Well, I mean, a, a lot of people I work with, I'll find that they don't really have the analytics that they think they have. So, you know, when we're talking about it beforehand, oh, yeah, we're tracking all these things. But then when we dive in, you know, maybe they're not tracking it in a way that is really understandable by anybody, or maybe the data is like there, but it's really hard to access. And so nobody's really using it. It's not usable. So that's one of the biggest mistakes I see is people just not paying enough attention to getting a really good data stack that they, that gives them like actionable insight that that they can use so that that's something that i see a lot with clients um one of the one of the you know kind of low-hanging pieces of fruit uh as a consultant that you can do yourself is you know find out what's already selling in your in your product in your app and just do more like how do you do more of what already works is it's amazing to me how people don't do this like They'll have something, some IAP that sells really well, and then they'll have other, and they're just trying to be different. Okay, what other thing can we do that's as different as possible? When what they should be thinking is, how do I make something that's also like this, you know? And, uh, you know, if you can come up with two or three more IAP that are like that, you can, you can revitalize a, a product. You have an example? Well, I don't, I don't like to um, share specific examples from my clients because, you know, it's, yeah, that's not something I, I really want to do. But um, what I can say is what, I, what I'll see regularly is a product that's got maybe one hit thing, one hit offer, one hit piece of content. And, um, and they don't, and you know, and they're trying to find some new thing when what they should do first is more of what's already, what already is successful. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, I do. It does make sense. The, does your approach change when it's like a game that is primarily driven, revenues are driven by in-app purchases versus ad revenue? It does. Um, I'm a lot of, I tend to focus more on the IAP side. So I, you know, I, I can design ad inventory and I understand that world pretty well, but um, I definitely would say my, I'm more specialized in the IAP side. Um, but yeah, I, I work, I'm working on some stuff right now that, you know, the, the opportunity is more on the, 
on the ad side. And, um, you know, I don't, it's, to me, it doesn't matter so much how it's monetizing when I see it, it's what is the potential? Where should mm -hmm. the focus be moving forward? So, um, you know, a lot of that is like, what's the um, play pattern? What's how much, what's the retention? You know, a lot of people don't understand that. And maybe this is, this also could be one of the biggest mistakes. People are trying to build an ads business on, on a game with no retention. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Right? Good luck. Oh man, I have a bell. I should ring it every time. Yes. <laughs> it's Sorry, like they're not thinking through the basic, the basic mechanics of the business they're trying to build. You know, like you're not an ad's only going to make you so much money. So you better serve a ton of them, which means you're going to, you're going to have to have people use your app over and over and over again. And if that's not going to, if that's not going to happen, then, then you're going to have a really hard time. Well, I see it from uh, non-game developers are like, I want to build the next social media you know, network and app. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, you know, what's your budget? And you, you know, you have any investor relationships? Like, no, 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 I'm going to try to do this myself. Like, you know, that's like nearly impossible to do because you got to go big and you got to go big fast and you got to really disrupt the market. Like there, there's a reason why, you know, certain things took off, but they had some funding. Like you can't just try to bootstrap a social media app. You got to start really small and then hopefully find some investors and, you know, take off. But the other thing Man, I want to- is is, is a hard thing to over Metcalf's law, you know, the, the benefits of the network, like it's hard to overcome a competitor who already has an existing network, which is, which is why becoming a category king is, is so valuable. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Your data stack. Do you have a recommended data stack when you come to a client? Like, oh man, your data is everywhere. Do you have a recommended one? You Not really. I mean, um, game analytics has, has a free version. So, you know, some people who are hesitant to spend money, um, will, will use that, but there's, there's plenty of good solutions. If it supports, you know, split testing and it has good dashboards, like then, and you can afford it, you know, why don't you, you just sit and set it up and you can always, you can always make a change later. Are there some, not to say key, but like, are there some, I guess KPIs that you really look at in the very beginning, like, Hey, what are these KPIs looking like? Let me look at these KPIs first before moving on to something more in depth. Yeah. And I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this too. I mean, I, I, I look at a DAU and average revenue per DAU. So, and retention, if like those three things to me, um, and retentions, you know, there's a few different metrics. So I don't know, day one, day seven, day 30, but you know, if I, if I know the DAU pattern over a year and I kind of know the average revenue per user per DAU over that year, and I know the retention, I have a sense of where to look next. I mean, that's not going to, that's not going to pinpoint a problem, but that's going to give you like that top level health check. Yeah, no, I, I look at that too. I mean, retention for me is the big one. And then I look at the product, like, are we, what's the flow look like? You know, I'm less more of a numbers guy. I'm more of like a product, like flow. What is that doing? And so I'll normally for non-games, I look at the flow, you know, it's the common things I see are like, what does the welcome flow look like? How can we help better increase conversions during that onboarding, that welcome flow? So that's what I primarily focus on. Yeah. I mean, if the first time user experience is, is yeah. broken, that's, that's one of the first things you got to fix because all the other things are after that. So you, you might as well fix, fix the, you know, iron it from the front forward. Yeah. You call it F2E? Is that what, is that a well-known? Um, Fatui, yeah. Fatui, Fatui. <laughs> See, I, I screwed it up too. Fatui, I like it, man. Did I say that? <laughs> you did say Fatui, yes. But I knew exactly what you were talking about. But I was talking to Joel from Game Refinery and he's like, yeah, that's what we do. We have a ton of Fatuis everywhere within their, their platform. Like people like that stuff. You're like, yeah. 
people really love that stuff. And, you know, with game refining, you can see the fatuities of any game, really. And that's what is in their arsenal. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, they say that, um, you know, some teams spend like 30% of development on the fatui. Wow. And, and it's tough because you got to do it last, right? Like, you, you know, you start building your fatui before you're done with the game. Um, you're going to ha have a lot of problems because you're going to keep changing things and then you're going to have to redo the fatui. Well, what are some, I guess, while well, we move into more of the conversion side and the monetization side, you know, one of the things that I've noticed with other like Clash of Clans, like these big games, the during the Fatui, they're sort of getting you to buy certain things and use the gems and sort of training you to be like, hey, you know, these things that you we want you to buy later on, you're going to have to start using them. Is that a good common, like best known practice that everybody should be doing? So I think what you're talking about is like, getting the player used to spending the premium currency. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, because you want them to, it, it's, it's another loop, right? You, you, you are spending this thing and you're getting a reward and that feeling is good. And you, you hopefully learn that it's high value. Like if it's a good product, there's going to be value for doing that. You know, if you, a lot of people are like, oh, the best practice is to have them spend currency. Yeah. But if they spent currency and it sucked, and they didn't like what they got for their currency, then they just know not to buy anymore. You know, but if you have a great product that has a great value for spending it, then yes, you want to you want to let people um, try it out and see the benefit, and then they'll do it more. What are some other ways that we can easily increase our money, our monetization? So one of the ones that um, that I think is kind of in that same category is finding different, finding a tripwire, finding a way to um, convert someone who maybe has already seen the value um, into a, a payer and you know what can you do to get that person who's maybe uh, wasn't gonna isn't gonna convert on their own how can you kind of help nudge them towards becoming a customer you know we talk a lot about um, user acquisition costs and we talk less about customer acquisition costs and I think we should talk more about that because ultimately the you know if you have a free app the goal is to get customers and um, it's funny that we have like the UA folks, you know, doing everything up to the start of the product, but then there's that whole piece of turning that person into a customer where in any other business, you would have a whole sales team just to do that. And, um, and so how do we do that? So one, one way that can be useful is this tripwire method where you offer something that's really good at a very low price. So you're, you're, it's almost like the step after letting them try it for free. You're like, mm -hmm. Hey, how about we give you a really good deal? And, you know, you got to be careful with this because you don't want to habituate users to wait for an awesome deal. Um, so you want to be thoughtful about who you present this to and when. But um, but kind of along with that, you know, I'm a I'm a big believer in limited time, yeah, limited time offers. So giving people a and, and I'm not talking about a day or a week. I'm talking about like minutes, minutes. I'm talking <laughs> about minutes. Yeah. Less than an hour. And I've had really good results with that, both for you know low priced and high pr high priced. I mean, not that high, right? But um, higher priced um, stuff. And I'm talking like in the one to you know six dollar range, like nothing, nothing well, one to ten dollar range. Okay, nice. The would it a starter pack? What do you feel about starter packs? Do they fall in the tripwire? And what what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, I think they're I think they're really good. I think a, a lot of people. Uh, you know, the first thing I would say is, is again, if you, you have to have a good product first, right? Like no amount of tactic can save your, your app. If, if people don't see the value in what they're going to get, 
you know? Um, now, there are some exceptions. If you have an amazing brand that everybody loves and they give you the benefit of the doubt, then yeah, you can probably get away with a bad app <laughs> and sell, sell people something up front, but you're not gonna have retention, you're not gonna be building a long-term business and you're gonna have other problems. But um, I kind of forgot the question, Steve. I, I don't know where- Starter packs. <laughs> oh, right. Um, you know, if you wanna do a good starter pack in, in the world of games anyway, you do that limited time offer um, on it, right? You make sure that it's not available forever you um you make it you kind of have to flow it right too like i like to have a really beautiful piece of art that goes along with it and have people kind of go from oh the art attracted my attention okay where's the eye gonna flow next okay now i want to i want to learn what i'm gonna what i'm gonna get and then finally the the price and the ability to buy and sometimes people put these things in strange places where the price is up on the right corner and you know there's a person in the middle and you know um, so just make sure it kind of makes sense in the flow. That's also, um, a nice thing to do for starter packs, putting, putting a character on there, putting, putting something, you know, visual, um, oh, here's something else, your starter pack, maybe it shouldn't just be hard currency because maybe the user doesn't actually understand the, the value of hard currency. So what can you offer that, um, that they're going to understand the value of at their place in the experience and maybe you can offer something that's unique, right? Like, you know, a spe something special that um, can't be had outside that offer. You know, now you're making it even more compelling. So think about how to really stack the value in, in the benefit of the player. Yeah, I like that. The One of the things I wanna talk to you about too is this idea of reverse leverage. And you said, this is what you called and I'm referencing Jordan's ebook that I'll link up to the show notes that you should check out too. It's five ways to increase your monetization to double your, your revenues. But you talk about this reverse scarcity. Can you go into the reverse leverage a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the names, the names of this stuff are kind of, kind of funny, but I think, I think you're talking about the piggy bank thing, yes. right? Where, yep. Yeah. So what we're trying to do here is we're trying to find ways to, again, nudge someone who's, who's maybe like playing but isn't converting to kind of give them more reasons to convert. And so what we're doing with this reverse leverage is we are, every time that they play the core loop or progress in the progression loop, we're gonna just tuck a little bit of something special for them into this piggy bank. Like we're just filling this bank, you know? So the more they play without converting, the more this bank is filling up with, with really cool stuff. And the price to, op to crack open that bank is flat. It never changes. So, you know, it's, Maybe it's a good deal at first, but after a week, it's a great deal. After a month, it's an absolutely irresistible deal. So the more that they engage, the more value this offer will have. And this is, I guess the reverse part is this is sort of the opposite of that, that um, upfront offer where this is like an offer that just gets better and better the longer they wait. Yeah, I like that. And then you, you referenced the, the app that does this pretty well with this piggy bank is Viva Slots. So if the audience wants to check that out. Hey, one of the things that I know a client of mine told me too is when he was a making a game and back to your, dang it, Jordan, why did I forget what you called it? Uh, the dimension, that the dimension loop, you know, where you add something else to a game that is not necessarily part of the game, but it's kind of like a nice to have. You remember what I'm saying? Um, back to the core loop. Anyways, you'll think about yeah. you'll you'll you'll, figure, you'll find the name when you called it something, but I really love the name that you called it. But anyways, he was saying like he has this his his core loop is something else, but inside the game he has this little wheel 
that you can just spin and you can get like tokens and you can do other things, but he just has this element of the game that is just there sitting there and has nothing to do with the game itself really, but he just has it. And he's like, look, by having this, it has actually increased retention because people come back just to spin the wheel. Maybe they want to take a break from playing the game and they just want to spin a wheel. And so he gives them that little break for it. And he's like, it, it's brilliant. And so <laughs> I think that's a great example of something that uses that. I forgot what you called it, but yeah, that, that loop that that works and it's great because like as soon they're basically being rewarded as soon as they open the app yeah there there is a risk there that um that people should be careful of which is you got to make sure that the rewards from that wheel are not greater than the rewards for playing the game otherwise you're gonna um you're gonna <laughs> encourage people not to play at all and and that became your game so just just watch the rewards and make sure it's leading people in to playing not replacing it yeah i like that all right just to confirm i want to make sure how to double your game's conversion rate in the next 90 days. So I want to make sure the promise is there. That's what Jordan's ebook is all about. How to double your game's conversion rate in the next 90 days. Jordan, this is awesome. The, the, the Some of the things, limited time offers, I think you kind of talked about it. Anything I missed that you want to make sure we cover? Um, I, you know, when it comes to conversion rate, there's a lot of things you can do. One thing that I think is really clever that the ebook um, shows an example of is an IAP you can buy that increases the rewards that people get from rewarded video. So um, someone who's already a rewarded video um, kind of user will be highly incentivized to buy this because otherwise they're sort of missing out on a reward every time they watch a rewarded video. Yeah. And and then you know your ad, your, the amount of rewards they're probably gonna watch, rewarded videos they're gonna watch is probably gonna go up. So you're kind of winning um, on both sides and the users feel really smart when they do it, they're like, yeah, I got this thing and I'm watching the ads and I'm maximizing my rewards. So it's a, it's a kind of a win all around. Yo, I love that one. I love that. Okay. We can show a screenshot of this. This sure. is great. Uh, let me share this real quick. Here's, here's the example that is from Jordan's ebook. It's yeah, right, here. right there. Yeah. I love that idea. I mean, I, I had this video. I was like, Hey, if you, here's how you optimize video ads. And you know, you want that daily bonus and double the daily bonus you want. I just ended a game. You want to double the currency, but this, this is like next level stuff, Jordan. Like, I love it. It's like, why wouldn't I buy this? I'm watching this all the time. And I reference fun run three as the game that I was sort of optimizing. I'm like, look, I'm opening this daily pack every day. I'm doing this every single day. When I ran out of the, stamina points right like i can't play anymore i watch a video but like why wouldn't i pay three bucks if i'm playing this every day and watching videos all the time right this. you would feel like you're missing out if you don't take advantage of this yeah totally and I, I like that love it i gotta tell you jordan i love all the tips in that book ebook and i love the names that you came up with everything you're like <laughs> a naming guy i like naming god i mean jordan what should i call this i'm just gonna come to you <laughs> thanks steve anytime <laughs> anything else you want to cover that i might have missed um, thanks for having me on the show. This was really fun and cool. I'm, I'm appreciative. No, I can see why jo Ryan sh shouted you out so much. Cause I'm like geeking out. Like I said, I was just like, tell me more Jordan. Like, that's it. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and listen to you, man. This is great. All right, Jordan, but this has been absolutely amazing. Let's go to the big, big finish. Give us one app that we should definitely check out. Hmm. Um, you know, I use, uh, Sam Harris's meditation app waking mm -hmm. up. And I really like both the meditation aspect and the different lessons that it has. So I'll, I'll throw that out there. Love it. What's a lesson that took you the longest to learn? It could be business or personal. Um, well, the, the, the one that comes to mind is 
that is how much of this is we talk so much about like tactics and strategy and stuff but so much of this is really about people and the people on the team and the people making the games and the people making the decisions and getting that right i i like to watch um those business reality shows like the profit or um what's the one the, the one where the guy goes to bars um i should whatever. watch that one it's it's good he goes okay. and fixes the bars but what, what you know you see that every time it's really it's really like problems with the way people are thinking about the business the way they're treating their employees um and so learning to um kind of see see my clients through the lens of the people involved in those relationships took me a long time and i'm still learning i like that I like that. So if you guys want to learn more about Jordan, go check out the website, brightblack.co, brightblack.co. All that is linked up. And he's also got a podcast called the Playmakers Podcast as well. And you can go to playmakerspodcast.com. Jordan, if the audience wants to follow up with you in any other way, do you want to send them anywhere else? No, that's great. Um, Playmakers Podcast and brightblack.co. Awesome. Jordan, this was amazing, man. Thank you so much for taking time doing this. My pleasure. Thank you, Steve. Thank you all for listening, and I'll see you on the next chat. Thanks for listening to the App Masters Podcast. For show notes and amazing app marketing content, check out appmasters.co.